I love church because I believe that church is the place where the dream of God comes to live and the plans of the enemy come to die. David said, I was glad when they said unto me, let us go into the house of the Lord, for this is the day that the Lord has made. Let us rejoice in it and be glad. David says it like this, one thing that I have desired of the Lord and that I will seek that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life to behold the beauty of God, to inquire in his temple that in my time of trouble, he shall hide me in his pavilion in the secret place of his tabernacle. He shall hide me. He shall set me high upon a rock for better is one day in his courts than a thousand Elsewhere, I love the local gathering of God's people for the express purpose of worshiping him. Why? Because when the church gathers with expectation, God responds with impartation. And you just quite don't ever know what's going to happen at a Pursuit Sunday service. You know, we've got a plan, and we got a worship set, and we got a schedule, and we got a timeline, and, uh, but I know that oftentimes the Spirit of God would just break in and mess up all your plans, because I think the Holy Spirit wants his church back. And sometimes what we've done is we've created churches where everyone is welcome except the Holy Spirit. We don't want him to mess up our service. We don't want him to make us look foolish. God God forbid he makes somebody cry and their makeup starts to run or their hair gets a little wild. But I'll tell you this, when the Holy Spirit show up in power, just like he did on the day of Pentecost, there'll be a fire on your head, a wind in the room. God will fill your mouth with a new tongue and all of a sudden, chains will break off. God will heal you with stuff you didn't even know was broken. He'll renew your mind. He'll cause a relationship to be reconciled. This God is working on our behalf and I'm convinced that we only ever give God thanks for about 10% of what he does because 90% of his work is in the dark. It's behind the scenes. But there will be a day where you cross eternity shore and you look into the eyes of one that burn hotter than 10,000 suns and you in a finite moment will be aware how good this God has been. How many times he saved you from the fowler's snare. How many times pestilence had your name but it passed over you. How many times he picked you up, dusted you off, set you on a firm foundation and changed your life. And that's why we gather and we say, my soul will bless the Lord. I will worship him with a new song. I will give him the praise of my lips and the sacrifice of my life. I might not see it now. I might not realize it now, but I got a God who is working behind the scenes, working all things together for the good of those who love him. I know life might not be perfect. There's still some prayers that have been left unanswered, still some dreams that have left unfulfilled, but I'm telling you, you've got a reason to worship this morning because you've got a good God who is the father of light. In him, there is no shadow of turning and he withholds no good thing from those whom he loves. And that's why after all these years, I'm still struck by the simplicity and the beauty of that who we serve. Friend on her worst day, the bride of Christ, which is the local church, is still more beautiful and brilliant than any other organization on earth. And no one has been more hurt by church than Jesus, and he still shows up. 
For 2,000 years, the church has withstood the storms of life. When governments oppress her, the church shines bright. When dictators try to kill her, the church expands her borders. When wars and rumors of wars cause others to cower in fear, the church finds her voice. No, church isn't the social club I attend or the event that I occasionally show up for. Church is the gathering of God's holy people for the express purpose of worshiping God's holy son. And it's true. Church is led by imperfect people, but it is even more true that the church gathers to worship the one who is perfect in all of his ways. And that's why our focus isn't on how man has failed us, but instead on how God has sustained us. I don't know about you, but I, but I just saw this on the news. On Friday of last week, an, an Alaska Airlines flight had to make an emergency landing in Portland because in the middle of the flight, one of the doors blew off. Not just that, but the two seats that were right next to that door got sucked out by the wind. I heard on the news that those two seats actually were intended to be occupied, but those people were delayed in coming to the airport and missed their flight. I thought, now I expect that from Spirit Airlines, but not from Alaska Air. <laughs> but here's what's crazy. What the news didn't tell you is this. On that same Friday, an estimated 100,000 flights departed and landed safely at their destination cities with no reported problems. Hear me. Our world highlights the bad the negative, the problematic, the unfortunate. Rarely is there breaking news to report things that are good. You never hear about the pastor who faithfully serves their church for 40 years and then retires, or the associate who loves his wife and is committed to his family, or the church treasurer who counts the offering and never misappropriates a dime. But I can tell you today, there are godly people, unsung heroes, faithfully serving God by the thousands in local churches today, and their stories might not never make the news, but their names are known in heaven. And see, I know this to be true. Your life moves in the direction of your strongest thought. And if all you ever do is take garbage in, the only thing that you'll ever produce is garbage out. See, Psalms 37 says, trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land and watch. Feed on his faithfulness. Which means this, my focus is not on what God isn't doing, it's on what God is doing. Now, people will hurt you. Leaders will disappoint you. Pastors will forget to call you on your birthday. But my focus has to shift from what man has done to me to what God has done for me. See, I was raised in church. Some of you was born in church. I know folks who was conceived in church. <laughs> there is no greater privilege than being raised up in the house of God. We must never allow a few bad actors to be the reason we don't trust God with that which lies ahead. Yeah, and when Jesus tells the crowds to eat his flesh and drink his blood, the Bible says many desert him. So Jesus turns to his disciples and he says, will you leave as well? And Peter replies, where else are we gonna go? 
Only you have the words of life. Am I gonna run towards cynicism and isolation? Am I gonna build my house amongst hopelessness and despair? Am I gonna live in perpetual offense and negativity? Friend, where else are we gonna go? For only this Jesus has the words of life. At our grand opening last week, I received tons of positive feedbacks and only two negative emails. Now I'm gonna read them for you today. The first was someone who was upset that I was driving a Tesla. And the second was someone upset that I was putting on makeup before the service started. So let me address both. It's true. I drive a four-year-old Tesla. It's their cheapest model. It's worth about 25,000. I got a fat tax rebate for buying it and I sold another car to help finance it. I am officially not apologizing for driving a four-door sedan. If you're offended that the pastor is driving a relatively cheap car to commute between three campuses, this probably isn't the right church for you. And maybe if we spent less time being upset at someone else's blessings, God could trust us with some of our own. Secondly, yes, before the live stream service, the creative team applies some makeup to my face. <laughs> the reason for that is because we broadcast these services via our live stream and we re-air them on Daystar TV in the afternoons. In fact, last week we had people watching from Costa Rica, Puerto Rico, Tokyo, you name it, people were tuning in. Last year alone, we reached close to 20 million people on our digital platforms. Now, because of the cameras we use and the lights in this building, if I don't wear a little makeup, my face shines like that of Moses coming down from the mountaintop. And it looks terrible on the TV screen. <laughs> but here's my point. You will receive today from this church exactly what you came expecting. If you're expecting to be offended, you will find offense. If you expect to be irritated, I am real great at providing irritation. But if you're expecting a miracle, you will find a miracle. If you're expecting someone to be friendly, you will find a friend. So let us operate in this church with an expectation that when we gather on Sunday morning, God is here to meet us at the place of our need and there isn't one thing too hard for this God that we serve. Now let me begin this morning in the book of Genesis, which is the book of beginnings. And Genesis tells us the story of how the worlds began, how humanity began, how families began, how nations began, how covenant began, how sin began, how grace began, and how we can begin again. And although the book of Genesis is filled with really the most incredible stories that could ever be shared, there is one passage in specific that is paramount as it pertains to the moment we find ourselves in today. 
Because before there was a nation called Israel and before there was a temple built by Solomon and before there was a throne sat upon by David and before there was a tabernacle constructed by Moses, there was a man named Abram who God himself made covenant with. And he said, Abram, if you trust me, I will bless the nations of the earth through the inheritance of your family line. And I wanna tell you the story of a man who in his old age made the decision to trust God because he operated with the belief that it is never too late to begin again. In Genesis 12, that story starts. Now the Lord had said to Abram, get out of your country from your people and from your father's house to a land that I will show you. (laughs) I found it true that everyone loves change until it happens to them. And what you may not know about Genesis 12 is the reason God tells Abram to go is because there is a famine that is raging in the land. No, this wasn't a suggestion. It wasn't a recommendation. It wasn't a two-star Yelp review. It wasn't a conversation. It was a mandate. The Lord is telling Abram, it is what you do now in this very moment that will determine whether your family lives or your family dies. Abram, there is a famine, but if you trust me enough to embrace the difficult yet necessary change that lies ahead, I promise that the blessing of God which makes you rich and adds no sorrow will overtake take you. But if we were to be honest this morning, it's easier to embrace the familiarity of the famine than it is to trust God with the unknown of our future. I know this relationship is toxic, but it's easier to stay in it than to trust God that he has something better. I know this job is unfulfilling, but it's easier to stay in it than to trust God that he has something better. I know this church is dead, but it's easier to occupy a seat and live an undistinguished life than it is to trust God that he has something better. I know this bondage is bad for me, but it's easier to repeat the same generational patterns than trust God that he has something better for me. We think to ourselves, how exciting to hear the voice of God. And yes, that's true. But what about when he tells you something you don't wanna do, like apologize or grow up or mature or forgive or start tithing or fasting or serving or trusting even after being burned the last time that you did? Abram hears the voice of God and it sounds like this, get out of your country, away from your people and far from your father's house for there is land that I have for you. But you won't ever inherit it, Abram, until you've got the faith to embrace the pain of necessary change. Hear me, friend, you can't see God's country until you leave your country. You can't meet God's people until you leave your people. You can't see God's house until you're willing to leave your house. And what if we aren't waiting on God as much as he is waiting on us? 
is so often we want God to bring the abundance to us, but more often than not, his abundance is waiting on the other side of our willingness and our obedience to go. The Lord says to Abraham, leave everything that you know, because there is a blessing that has your name on it, but it requires you to go. I'm just like you. I want the blessing dropped off on my doorstep. I want the miracle downloaded into my living room. I want the breakthrough to materialize in my bedroom. I want the inheritance to speak to me through the live stream. But more often than not, God needs me to get out of my comfort zone and into the unknown so that I can find what my soul so desperately needs. And here's the reality, it's unknown to you, but it's not unknown to God. For there is not one place that you will ever go that he hasn't already been. And this is what David writes poetically and prophetically in Psalms 23. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, you are with me, I will fear no evil. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You anoint my head with oil, my cup. It overflows with your goodness. Even you make a table for me in front of my enemies and surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life. Why? Because when you follow God, what follows God follows you. The Lord tells Abram, I know the land, I know the prosperity, I know the blessing. You haven't seen it yet, but I've already prepared it. You've just got to be willing to trust me enough to go. See, I hear this fractured theological statement all the time. Well, if God really wanted that for me, he know where to find me. If God wants to heal me, he can do it right where I'm sitting. If God want to bless me, he can do it right where I'm standing. True. Nothing's impossible for this God that we serve. But obedience is the trigger for the supernatural. And I believe that 2024 is the year where the supernatural can become supernormal in accordance with our obedience to heed his voice. And if God is no respecter of persons, then the blessing that came through obedience on Abraham's life can come on your life through your obedience as well. And watch what the Lord says in verse two. I will make you a great nation. I will bless you and make your name great. You shall be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you. I will curse those who curse you. In you, all the families of the earth will be blessed. And the Lord appeared to Abram and said to your descendants, I will give this land. And there he built an altar to the Lord who had appeared to him. I want you to notice the deal that God is constructing with Abram. It's pretty good. I will show you land. I will make your name great. I will bless those who bless you. I will curse those who curse you. I will bless the families of the earth through you. I will give you land. All you have to do is trust me enough to go. I implore you today, trust God enough to make church a place that you go. Trust God enough to meet someone new. Trust God enough to invite someone over. Trust God enough to bless somebody else. Trust God enough to serve without recognition and to give without acknowledgement and watch how he blesses that which was done in secret and shouts it from the rooftops. Oh, people like to say, oh, come on, pastor. Church isn't a building. 
Thank you, armchair theologians, for your contribution to Christendom in the year of our Lord, 2024. Yeah, I know church isn't a building, but to say that God doesn't care about places, that would be wrong. God had marked out land for Abram, which would eventually become a covenantal promise for the people of Israel. And I am unashamed to say today that I believe that covenant is still in effect, even in our modern era. But see, I think this building is marked out land. I think this church is a marked out place. I think when there is sacrifice that is in the ground, the attention of heaven is drawn to a geographic location and God cannot and will not ignore that which has transpired in that locality. I loved being here last Sunday. People kept grabbing me, pastor. That's where I gave my life to the Lord. Oh, that baptism tank there, that's where my daughter got baptized. Oh, in that prayer room, man, that's where my son got healed. Oh, in this office, that's where my marriage got restored. That's where I received counseling. That's where I received help. That's where I was prayed for. That's where my life was changed and transformed. Man, this place brings back so many memories. Many of you, when you walked into this building for the first time in a long time last Sunday, tears came to your eyes. Why? Because God never forgets sacrifice that has been put in the ground. And I just believe that God is attracted to people and to places that have been dedicated unto him. And I'm simple enough to believe today that the best miracles, the best salvations, the best baptisms, the best healings, are still yet ahead for this place to experience. In Genesis 13, the story continues. Then Abram went up from Egypt, him and his wife and all that he had, and Lot was with him to the south. Now Abram had become very wealthy in livestock and in silver and gold and Teslas. That's a modern, that's the message translation. It didn't make it into some of yours, but. Now I want you to see this. Abraham wasn't kind of wealthy. He was very wealthy. Now God isn't against you having stuff, but he is adamantly opposed to stuff having you. But notice the order of operations in Abram's life. First, his heart is tested and then his resources are multiplied. Once Abram's heart was refined like silver, his hands could be trusted with gold. In the process of one chapter, Abram transitions from famine to finances. Why? Because obedience creates a landing strip for blessing to descend upon. Now watch, the story continues. Now Lot, who was moving out with Abram, he also had flocks and herds and tents. But the land could not support them while they stayed together, for their possessions was so great they were not able to stay together, and quarreling arose between them. So Abram said to Lot, please let there be no strife between you and me, between my herdsmen and your herdsmen, for we are brethren. Is not the whole land before you? Watch, please separate from me. <laughs> And after Lot 
had separated from him. And after Lot had separated from him. And after Lot had separated from him, the Lord spoke to Abram. Look from the place where you are. Look north, south, east, and west. For all the land which you see, I will give you and your descendants forever. Now hear me, Lot was Abram's nephew. And as Abram is venturing out following the Lord into the unknown of a new land, his nephew tags along. And everything is great until one day it's not. No, the blessing isn't on Lot, it's on Abram. But by virtue of Lot's proximity, he encounters blessing himself. And there comes a day where both men are being so blessed that there is a conflict amongst their herdsmen. And Abram says, watch, it is time for us to go our separate ways. Hear me, friend. You can't take everybody with you. For with elevation in your life comes separation in your circle. Meaning this, anyone can be a friend, but not everyone has permission to speak into my future. Anyone can be a homie, but not everyone is invited into my home. Jesus had the crowds, but then he had the 12, and then he had the three, and then he had the one. And I believe it is time to get strategic about your circle, lest the dysfunction of familiarity lay ruin to your destiny. Watch what the scripture says. He that walketh with the wise shall be wise, but a companion of fools shall be destroyed. Mark them which cause divisions and offenses contrary to the doctrine which you have learned and avoid them. Do not walk in the counsel of the wicked, nor stand in the way of sinners, nor sit in the seat of mockers. Do not be conceived. Bad company ruins good character, for how can two walk together unless they agree? See, in 2024, I'm not walking with people who constantly talk trash about others. Because as soon as you leave the conversation, they're going to talk trash about you. In 2024, I'm not walking with people who always have something negative to say about the dream that I'm believing for. In 2024, I'm not walking with people who only ever collect the garbage and grievances of those who are around them so they can be the focal point of drama wherever they go. We are in a season of elevation, but elevation requires that some old patterns and some old mindsets and some old behaviors and some old relationships simply cannot go where God is taking me. Because baggage is about where you've been, but luggage is about where you're going. And after Abram separates from Lot, notice the first thing that happens. The Lord speaks to Abram and says, lift up your eyes. You may not know this today, but the Hebrew name Lot translates to the English word veil. So watch, when the veil is removed, the Lord speaks to Abram and says, lift up your eyes. Hear me, friend, a veil doesn't blind you, it blurs you. It causes everything to look the same degree of hazy instead of distinguished and articulated. 
The wrong people in your corner will cause you to have the wrong perspective on your future. But if you will trust God enough to allow that veil to be lifted off of your eyes, watch how his voice and your vision goes from being blurry, vague, and foggy to clear, sharp, and focused. And in Genesis 15, the story continues. After these things, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision. He said, do not be afraid, Abram, for I am your shield and your exceedingly great reward. I love this. Abram been blessed. He'd been saved from the famine. His family been resourced. He's probably the richest man in the land at this point. God has added supernaturally to his life. He has come from drought into abundance. God has preserved him and made his name great. There is a blessing on Abram and Sarah in this season. And in the midst of all of it, God reminds him, it's not your stuff that is your reward. It is not your money that is your reward. It is not your influence that is your reward. It is not your resume that is your reward. It is not your opportunities that is your reward. It is not your open doors that are your reward. Abram, I am your shield and your exceedingly great reward. I'm here to tell you today, until God becomes your reward, no other reward from man will satisfy the void and the vacuum of the human soul. You gain the world and lose your soul. You'll fill that God-shaped void in your heart with things that look like God, but they are not Him. And we've got an entire world of people that have climbed the corporate ladder and they've received all the success and accolades of life, but they are more broken today than when they started. Why? Because we have a crisis of hopelessness in our culture. You thought that next pay raise would heal the wound in your heart. You thought that next promotion would heal the wound in your heart. You thought that next sex relationship would heal the vacuum in your soul but once you reach the end of what humanity can provide you are found asking that existential question is there not something more for me and in the midst of tremendous blessing the Lord speaks to Abram never forget it I am your great reward yeah that's what I sense during worship this morning it's an incredible opportunity to be here in Kirkland. It's an incredible building. God has done exceedingly abundantly more than I could ever ask, think, or imagine. Supernatural resources have come. God has added to the family here at Pursuit. I really sincerely believe that we are on the very precipice of another great move of his spirit, and this is just the beginning. I am overwhelmed by his kindness and goodness, but even in the middle of worship, lady, I hear the Lord speaking to me. The building is not your reward. The people are not your reward. The finances are not your reward reward. The influence is not your reward. The invitations are not your reward. Russell, I was your reward nine years ago in a barn when you had nothing and I'm still your reward today. That's the God that we serve. But Abram said, watch, Lord God, what will you give me? 
for I am still childless. And then he brought him outside and he said, look now towards the heavens and count the stars if you are able to number them. And the Lord said to him, so shall your descendants be. Watch. And Abram believed the Lord and he accounted it to him for righteousness. I have read this story like you maybe a thousand times and I have never seen what I am about to show you today. The Lord is making covenant with Abram and he tells him, go outside your tent, look towards the heavens and count the stars. And as many stars as you see, so shall your descendants be on the earth. And, and this is always what I have imagined this scene from Genesis 15 to be like. It's a dark night in an empty desert. Abram steps outside of his tent and Hillsong begins to play in the background. <laughs> a choir of angels appears in the heaven. Peace on earth, goodwill towards men. And Abram in an emotional moment of tears looks towards the heaven and sees a billion stars and galaxies and is overwhelmed by the kindness of God. But I was wrong and so are you. For if you keep reading this story, you will notice something amazing. Once you get down to verse 12, the Bible says this, now watch. Now as the sun was setting, Abram fell into a deep sleep, which means this. When God tells Abram to get out of his tent and look at the stars in the heaven, it's the middle of the day. You know what you see in the sky in the middle of the day in a desert? Nothing. You might see a cloud or a raven or a raindrop if you're lucky, but you definitely don't see stars. Those appear at night. When Abram believed the Lord, it was accounted to him as righteousness. Why? Because in the middle of the day, he got up out of his tent and he stared into a sunny sky. And although Abram couldn't see the stars, he knew their maker and was confident that in due time, they would appear. See, stars don't come out at night. They are revealed at night. Stars are hidden by the sun of adversity. They are covered by the hardship of the desert. They are often concealed while you walk in your wilderness season, but make no mistake, there is coming a day where the promises that you have held on to will shine bright like the stars in the heavens and you will be glad. I trusted God when it looked like nothing. I believed God when I couldn't see anything. I didn't give up when it felt impossible and the one who holds my future is not slack concerning that which he has promised to do and I'm looking at the sky today and I don't see the stars but I know they're there 
And we're believing God that he will count it as righteousness towards us. And God will use this church and he will use your family and he will use our lives, not just to bless this region, but even to extend that blessing to the nations of the earth. For the Bible says it's impossible to please God without faith. It doesn't take faith to count the stars at night. It takes faith to count the stars during the day. I think Abram steps outside of his tent and goes, are you pranking me? There ain't no stars in the heavens right now. It's like the Lord says to him, just wait, they're coming. Just wait, Abram, I know they're there. I'm the one who put them there. I know you can't see it now, but there is coming a day and there is coming an hour and there is coming a moment where that which has been hidden by God in eternity past will be revealed in brilliance in this present moment. I said this last Sunday, but it was only eight weeks ago that we found out that it was even maybe possible that Pursuit was gonna be able to strike a deal and move into this historic location. But over the last two years, I, I can't tell you how many times Lighty, me and you would, would drive to Kirkland and drive aimlessly around empty parking lots praying and believing and prophesying until security kicked us out that one day God would open a door. And we knew that we had heard the voice of God and maybe this is the most frustrating moment of our Christian development that often people don't speak to. And it's when you know that you know that you know that you have heard his voice, but you don't yet see it in fullness in your present moment. And all of hell wages war against your flesh to get you to give up on that which you are having faith and I'm so glad today that God surrounded me with people over the last 24 months who saw stars by faith when all I saw was a desert and a wilderness sky and standing in this room today I'm overwhelmed with the idea that there are stars yet unrealized that hang in the backdrop of God's painted landscape for our lives. And what he's looking for is not experts. What he's looking for is not folks who are perfect or have it all together or never made a mistake. He's just looking for people like Abram who will believe him at his word and in doing so have that God credit it to us as righteousness. Here's what I'm asking you today. You don't have to have a perfect life. You don't have to have been sober for 43 years. You don't have to have read the Bible 38 times by the time we reach January 14th, you just have to be available because maybe your greatest spiritual gift in this season is not the ability to preach or prophesy or heal the sick or give extravagantly or serve at the info booth or help out in kids ministry. Maybe your greatest spiritual gift that you offer God is the availability of your simple 
simple faith and your simple obedience that God could partner with that and in doing so, change the course of history. I still believe today that his eyes are going to and fro throughout the earth and he is looking for those who have enough faith to simply believe that God is able to do what the scriptures say he can do. This service, this building, this church should be a testament that God never leaves a story halfway done. It always ends better than the way that it begun. That God is not forgotten that which he has promised his people. And just wait for what God has in store for 2024. There's some stars hanging over your life, friend. There's some stars hanging over your family. There's some stars hanging over your business and over your marriage and over your kids. And our God has just begun to reveal his kindness and his goodness to your life. You might not see him now, but there's coming a season where that which you have believed for will be performed in your midst. It's time to begin again and count the stars. For this God is still working on behalf of his remnant people, even in a place like Kirkland, Washington today. Come on, would you stand as we close this morning?